0: Your host, Coach Danielle McCartan. You can follow her work on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M C C A R T A N. Hey, welcome to Sixty Minute Overtime. This is Spring Set 2017, Episode 14, April 30th, 2017. I'm your host, is Danielle McCartan. Fired up the Periscope, and we have a lot of people watching already. So here's what you guys are going to hear today. Uh, first is going to be from TJ Reeves. He's the Tampa Bay Radio. <laughs> He's from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Radio Network. He'll be joining us to talk everything NFL Draft. You'll hear NFL Draft stories from your favorite players on your favorite teams: um, Colts, Giants, Jets, Dolphins, Seahawks, Titans, etc., etc. What's up over there on Periscope? NFL draft special, like I said, we're going to have the WTF, What the F Story of the Week, Hurry Up Offense, uh, Yankees, a little bit of Rangers, and a quick shout-out, we have uh, prosportsrundown.com. That's where you can find all of my work there. Twitter, at Coach McCartan. I'm sure you guys are streaming it right now. YouTube, search Coach Space McCartan. That's M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Soundcloud.com slash Coach McCartan. And on demand, you don't have to watch us live. It's on demand as well. iTunes podcast, Coach Space McCartan. Uh, tune in radio. Under the show's name, 60 Minute Overtime, and play.google.com slash Coach McCartan, with no spaces in that. Video simulcast right now on Periscope, and you! Got something to say? Call the studio, 201-825-1234. So let's sound off on the NFL Draft for whatever team you root for. Um, First off, let's hear from uh, Bryce Petty. Now, what's your draft story? You were picked, what, in the fourth round by the Jets round, in 2015? Yeah. So what's your draft story? Yeah,
1: um, what's my draft story? Well, I got drafted fourth <laughs> round, and, uh, and and the story is, is to be continued. So, uh, you know, working hard every day to, to make sure that, um, you know, I proved to the Jets that they made the right decision. And, um, you know, it's, it's
2: been a good offseason so far. so excited to see you. Hey, now, you're an all-star. Get your game on, go
3: play. Hey, now, you're a rock star.
0: Hey now, you're an (laughs) all-star. Perfect for the NFL Draft, no? Get your game on, go play, huh? Right? NFL Draft was live from Philadelphia over the past couple of days. I can't. Imagine that you were able to escape draft coverage. <laughs> they are rounds 1 through 7 featured 253 guys living out their dreams of playing in the NFL, followed by a frenzy of signings of undrafted free agents. And sometimes you find some diamonds in the rough there, especially if you're Bill Belichick. Round 1, Roger Goodell announced each pick. Later rounds were anou- announced by notable players for each team, like uh, Harry Carson did the Giants pick, Mike Allstott, Did the Buccaneers pick? Tony Richardson picked for the Jets. Then they started to get creative. Maybe a little too creative. They allowed an orangutan to select Zach Banner for the Colts. An orangutan. You know, those orange monkeys. (laughs) Uh, Also, people were a little bit surprised that Bears traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky. I'm not mad at it. The guy is a cannon for an arm. Uh, Of course, they overpaid their, now, is he going to be the backup quarterback? Oh, Jets fans, I'm wearing my old school Jets t-shirt. Doesn't that sound familiar? You have an overpaid veteran and a young guy coming in. Someone just asked me, when the Jets season opens, who's going to be the starting quarterback? Funny, because we don't know. (laughs) We don't really know who's going to be the Jets quarterback. We do know that there are three available ones. Someone just said, uh, Justin, is that you, Justin? Justin said, Hackenberg. That's fine. But I think that the Jets are gonna when they pick their quarterback, they're gonna have to pick one and stick to him. Hackenberg, is he ready? We don't even know I, I said it, I think I feel I feel like I say this every week. the guy hasn't even gotten first team starts yet even in practice. So there's a lot of work to be done with the New York Jets. I'm very glad that they stayed away from a quarterback in this year's draft. We have let's face it three projects at quarterback for this year and uh, we don't need a fourth. So the Jets, we'll get into a little bit later, they had a a, a litany of picks, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, let's hear from Brian Leonard about his draft story.
1: Story. Uh, it was a big party at the house. We had a big party in the garage, and uh, it was it was when they did the first three rounds and, and uh, on Saturday. So I think the draft started around twelve o'clock, and eight hours later, I got drafted in the second round. It was the longest day of my life, but it was the best day of my life, and. Uh, <laughs> Because we did their entire garage, and when I walked back in the garage, my buddy had a bottle of champagne, popped the champagne, and squirted champagne all over my, my parents' brand-new garage.
0: So uh, probably
3: appreciated that, for sure.
1: <laughs> but it, um, it was worth it. It was a lot of fun.
0: Brian Leonard was a former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, obviously. And let's hear from T.J. Reeves from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Radio Network. This is T.J. Reeves from the Buccaneers Radio Network, and we're talking about the Buccaneers draft. School of thought, best overall player, best player for the needs. I went through the the picks that the Buccaneers did have. Very balanced, actually, if you ask me. A lot of controversy, not controversy, but um, concern among fans that they wished that we could have they could have gone up and selected Dalvin Cook, traded up for running back after Doug Martin's, we'll just say, trouble. <laughs> and uh, I asked him, "What guys, which one of these is going to be an immediate impact player this coming season, and about Jamie Swinston and his maturity in his, I think it's third year now. So myself and TJ Reeves, Buccaneers fans, this one's for you. So let's welcome TJ Reeves, Tampa Bay Buccaneers radio network, to 60-minute overtime, and, and let's talk a little bit Tampa Bay Bucks draft.
4: Wow! I mean, uh, first of all, it's good to be with you on 60-Minute Overtime. We'll get to the books in a second. Daniel, I've been doing this a long time, and that was as crazy a night on Thursday night as I can recall. Unpredictable moves, trades, teams jumping up, teams moving back. Uh, that was truly as, as big a reality TV night as the NFL could have hoped for. We've already seen the television ratings are massive for the NFL network and ESPN. So it's, and you saw the crowds in Philadelphia, 100,000 people on that plaza for the draft. It's a, it's amazing what this has become and what a wild night. And I know we want to delve into a little bit about what the, what the Buccaneers did, but what a crazy, crazy first night of the draft to get things underway.
0: And I even stayed up and watched the entire thing, which is like a, a humongous feat. I mean it was like eleven forty five. I'm still I'm still recovering.
4: Yeah, I, you know, and this this used to be now I'm gonna date myself here, this is my age. This used to be an all day and all night Monday only thing in New York, in the area where you are, they would go into a smoke filled ballroom with everybody smoking a cigarette starting at eight AM and just go until 10 p.m., 11 p.m., midnight, and do the entire draft in one day, and it was like 12 rounds.
3: Oh, my God. So
4: they've now divvied it up as a a made-for-TV primetime event with a red carpet and and, uh, and everybody uh, under the big lights and on national network TV. So it it is amazing what this has morphed into, and all the hype and all the drama of who's going to take what player and, uh, you know, everybody here in Tampa Bay was wondering, is it going to be a running back? Is it going to be a pass rusher? Well, it turns out it's a tight end right. that they didn't expect was going to be there. And that's the, that's the drama of the draft. That's the reality. That's the lure of the draft. You just never know.
0: Right. So, so let's, let's just jump into the Bucks then. So first of all, what is your school of thought? Do you prefer the best available overall player or do you prefer the best player for the team's needs first?
4: Well, uh, the answer to that question is, because obviously if you're a perennial playoff team, if you're a team that every year is contending for the Super Bowl, if you are the Patriots, if you are the Seahawks, uh, in recent years, if you are the Denver Broncos, you, you're in a much, much more luxurious position of let's take best player available. Who is that? Is that an offensive lineman? Is that a, a defensive back? Is that a, a wide receiver or a running back? If you're a team that is uh, obviously, if you're a team picking at the top of the draft, you're bad and you need everything. So you can go best available there. You might need three or four positions if you're a team like Cleveland that's picking every year uh, near the top and you, know, you can pick probably two or three others. The Buffalo Bills seem to be near the top every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last two or three years, the San Francisco 49ers have been near the top. Uh, you know, Other years, the Oakland Raiders have been near the top. They've finally gotten good. You need everything. Where the Bucks were, are those teams that are pretty good, win 7, 8, 9, 10 games, pick somewhere around 15, 18, 20, 22, and there, you're of to believe what is our need? What's our biggest need to help us? We have some pieces, we won some games, what's our biggest need? And in the Bucks' case, arguably the biggest need was replacement at running back or at pass rusher, but again, it became too good to pass up when O.J. Howard of Alabama was still there. They... They didn't necessarily need a tight end, but he was too good. They love to throw the ball. He was too good for them to leave on the table.
0: Okay, so let's go through it. So the Bucks had one, two, three, four, five, six picks in the draft uh, this the couple past couple days. So for the listeners, um, here they are: pick nineteen, they chose OJ Howard, tight end, Alabama. Pick fifty was Justin Evans, safety from Texas A and M. Pick eighty four was Chris Godwin, wide receiver, Penn State. Pick one hundred seven, which is still the third round. Kendall Beckwith, linebacker LSU. In the fifth round, they had pick one sixty-two. Jeremy McNichols, running back out of Boise State. And right, then, and now, now, good luck with the name coming from the big defensive <laughs> lineman for USC. You're gonna test yourself. All right, <laughs> uh, let me Coach see. McCartney. Let me try. Let, round seven, pick two twenty-three. His name is Stevie Tui Kalavatu, defensive tackle.
3: Oh. Yes, and and uh,
4: that's a Samoan for Big load in the middle, tough to move, I think. <laughs> Loosely translated, is that, yes.
0: Um, all right, so listen, they had a very balanced draft. It's three offensive players, three defensive players. Are you a fan of that strategy?
4: Uh, look, uh, again, uh, it, they, they've had some interesting drafts under Jason Light, the general manager, who's now been here for four drafts, because the first draft he did four, four seasons ago for the 2014 season it was all offensive guys, and the Buccaneers never done that. Every player was an offensive guy. And then the next, the first three picks were defensive guys. So it just it kind of depends on who's available. Uh, and in this case, they never did really address uh, the outside defensive end. They got a defensive back, as you mentioned, in round two. They got a linebacker, Beckwith, who tore his ACL at the end of the college season in November last year. And he is expected to be fully recovered, but that's a bit of a question mark for this summer and by the fall as to how healthy is he going to be for the 2017 season. But uh, again, they believe that guy can give them some help. The receiver from Penn State is interesting. Uh, Chris Godwin is not big, but he is blazing fast. He is a guy that that uh, has a fast forty time, big play receiver from Penn State. So I'm very intrigued to have him now with Deshaun. Uh, Jackson, Deshaun Jackson, being signed as a free agent from the Redskins, the former Philadelphia Eagles. So you got two speedsters there to go along with Mike Evans and the tight end O.J. Howard and some and some different targets that they can throw the football to. So, yeah, they they did well mixing it up, uh, and they end up with that big defensive tackle from USC at the very end.
0: Now, O.J. Howard, one of the most coveted guys in this entire draft, he lands at pick nineteen to the Buccaneers. What the heck?
4: Well, I think, again, it's, it's one of those where as the evening progressed Thursday night, uh, better, than, better than me just trying to tell you about me, how about the Buccaneers head coach, Dirk Cutter? I don't know if you heard this story, but he was so antsy for the chance to get O.J. Howard and so excited when he was still there at, like, 13 and then still there on the 14th pick. And they're contemplating, do we have to trade? Do we have to trade to get to 15 or 16 to make sure we get this guy to move up three or four spots? And what are we going to have to give up? He has to go to the bathroom, the head coach of the Bucks. Cover. He said, I'm so antsy and I'm almost superstitious that this is working out for us that I don't want to blow it, so I don't want to get out of my seat. So he sat there for another 45 minutes while the 15th pick happened, and the 16th pick happened, and the 17th pitch happened to make sure, uh, as a good luck charm, that O.J. Howard would still be sitting there for them to get him. And uh, you know, there's a great video on Buccaneers.com, Dirk Cutter, making the phone call to O.J. Howard, where he is saying to him, I have believed in you and I have wanted you all along, and I can't believe you were still there when we were selecting. So it truly, it just shows you, uh, j- just like in life, it's a truth in life. Good things come to those who wait. When you are patient, when you, when, when you are practicing patience, a lot of the time what you're looking for will happen. And it happened for the Bucs there without them having to trade up. The tight end that most people believe was going to go in the top 10 or certainly by the top 15 because they figured someone would trade up to get him if he was still sitting there 14, 15, something like that. Buccaneers sat where they were, got a tight end. that can really help them. Uh, and, and I, you know, I know a couple of people that are uh, very involved with the program, and they rave about O.J. Howard and how – Team-oriented he is. He is not a stats guy. He is not a self-serve guy that cares about, I've got to have five catches a game. He is content to have a game maybe where he doesn't have a catch, where he's simply blocking and doing his job, running his routes, blocking, helping protect the quarterback, and do his job. So that's uh, that, That's refreshing to hear, and it's exciting for Buccaneer fans to hear that that is a, uh, a big, physical, apparently well-rounded individual they've got.
0: So he already seems like he's going to be an immediate impact player for this upcoming season.
4: So I, I believe he is. he's penciled in, if it's not an in ink, that he's not only going to start, he's going to play significantly right away. I mean, part of that's going to be how much can he grasp the offense. It's a new, different offense than what he's been playing in, obviously, at Alabama. But uh, the potential exists that he will play a bunch and will be a big-time target, especially in the red zone, inside the 20, down around the goal line. I mean, Buccaneers already have Mike Evans, who's six five with the long arms, and very difficult to defend on, on balls that are thrown. Uh, alley-oop, 50-50 balls, go get it. Uh, Cameron Braid is a big tight end who caught eight touchdowns a year ago. Same thing. He's a matchup problem. Now you put another one out there, like O.J. Howard, who's six five with the long arms. Good luck trying to figure out who Jameis Winston's going to lob the ball to and try to defend all of them. That's part of the plan here, obviously.
0: So it sounds like Jameis Winston is the big winner here. It's three days of Christmas unwrapping all these presents, which are draft picks. <laughs> no, no, well he's...
4: and this and this is what you want to do with uh, with the draft and with free agency is you want to build around it. They 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 got him because they were the worst team in the league two years ago by record and got the number one overall pick. That's how they got Jameis Winston. Now they've built into two years later a nine win team that's putting the pieces around him like you described. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're him, you've got to be jumping up and down. You can't wait for August to get here in preseason games and start seeing this stuff uh, for real, and uh, it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch a talented, young Buccaneer team see what they can do.
0: Yeah, now, Jameis Winston led the Bucks to the first winning season in, I think it was six years. In, in which ways has he matured on the field, and, and I guess off the field as well?
4: I think the, the key here is two-pronged. One, the belief now is we are better. The belief in that building, Danielle, I mean, there were so many bad seasons uh, in and around 2009, 2011, 2013, where, where, you know, 2009, you lose 13 games. 2011, you lose the last 10 games of the year. 2013, you lose the first eight games of the year you got a lot of players that are around that now become accustomed to losing, and the culture is losing, and the belief is almost non-existent. Well, now it has changed. The belief is we are now better. The confidence level is we can win games. We can play with the better teams in the NFC, if not in the NFL. So that's big. The second thing is, is continuity. This will be the third year in Dirk Cutter's offense. He was the offensive coordinator two years ago. They end up firing Lovie Smith after a 6-10 season. Cutter gets the head coaching job. They keep the same offense with the same quarterback Winston. We see improvement again. We see a 9-win season. This will be the third year of that offense. Continuity there and continuity on the defensive side of the ball also with Mike Smith, a former Falcons head coach. Second straight year the defensive coordinator role for the Bucks. Bucks defense was better a year ago. Again, they're going to have another year of the of the coaching staff tells me this team has got a great chance to be a playoff-contending team, to be exactly what the Atlanta Falcons became in year two under Dan Quinn and their new coaching staff, get a second year under your belt with everybody in place, and look at what can happen.
0: Do you think not aggressively pursuing Dalvin Cook, running back, is going to go back to haunt them? Because I know my cousin, I was texting with him live during the draft, (laughs) and he wanted to trade up for him so bad. Will that come back and bite them, or...
4: Think? Uh, it's a great question, and your cousin uh, Danny is not alone. There are there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Buccaneer fans and Florida State fans that live, particularly in the Tampa Bay market, that wanted to see this team take Dalvin Cook. It's a natural fit because he's a he's a Florida State player. We've seen all of his games on TV in this state. He played with Jameis Winston for one year at Florida State, and there per, there's perceived to be a need there for him uh, to to come in and play and play significantly at running back, and yet they did not take him in the first round, uh, much to the dismay of some, and then did not trade up on Friday night at the beginning of round two to go get Dalvin Cook. Instead, he ends up being with the Minnesota Vikings, and oh, by the way, Coach McCartan, week three, Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Minneapolis to play the Minnesota How about that storyline, Dalvin Cook against the Buccaneers in his third professional game of all things are equal, and he's healthy, he's ready to go. That'll be a great storyline uh, for that game. And you know what, what it also goes back to is no matter what your wants are, what your desires are, it's not going to work out that you get all the guys that you want in, in a draft. And in, in their mind, it was more important to get O.J. Howard than it was to take Dalvin Cook. And uh, we'll see. I, I believe, I have said this consistently, I said it on the draft coverage the other night, Dalvin Cook... It is going to be good, if not great, in the NFL. And There are going to be teams that are going to regret not that needed running back help. They're going to regret not having taken a Dalvin Cook. I don't. I don't believe the Bucks are going to regret it that much because they have other talented guys. But there will be teams who needed running back help who a year from now are going to be saying we could have used Dalvin Cook. We're right back in the top ten of the draft with a poor running game, and we could have drafted Dalvin Cook. I think he's. Going-
0: Doug Martin, suspended for violating the NFL's policy on performance-enhancing drugs. Obviously a running back. Where does he stand in the organization?
4: Well, it's a great question because uh, he's currently suspended for the first three games of the upcoming season, and this is after getting a massive contract uh, from the Bucs, and deservedly so, after the 2015 season where he was second in the NFL in rushing. He got a whole bunch of money. He ends up uh, being injured for part of um The season last year, and then ends up at the end of the year getting the drug suspension. So now it's a question mark. And and here's the other thing: when he got the drug suspension, per his contract, his money is no more guaranteed. The guaranteed money is voided in that deal. So the Bucks hold all the leverage. If Doug Martin is not in shape, if Doug Martin is not contributing the way they need him to contribute, especially after the suspension, they have no more long term obligation to him with guaranteed money. So. I believe, and I know Doug personally and professionally, I believe he realizes this is his last chance with Tampa Bay and potentially his last chance in the NFL. He's had injury problems. Now he's had a drug suspension. You want to be the best Doug Martin that you can possibly be here in 2017 because he's got a chance to still be the featured running back for this team. And if he's not, they just drafted a guy on Saturday night who ironically played at Boise State and reminds everybody of Doug Martin, the Jeremy McNichols kid, was breaking some of Doug Martin's records at Boise State, so how wild is that? The Bucks drafted a guy in the fifth round from the very same school. So let's uh, let's see how it plays out. Again, the Bucks have some talented uh, running backs and can potentially get this done. We'll see. We'll see uh, what Doug Martin can bring.
0: Now, with all this being said, as you said, the last season the Bucks finished nine and seven, second in the NFC South, only to the NFC champion Atlanta Falcons. Uh, in the draft. The Saints added lockdown corner, who I think is going to be a lockdown corner, Marshawn Lattimore. I wanted him for the Jets, but that's another story. Uh, the Panthers landed versatile Christian McCaffrey, who I wanted for the Giants. How is <laughs> how is 2017 looking for the Buccaneers now?
4: Well, I mean, uh, you definitely New Orleans needed help in a couple, three different areas, so they're trying to address that after another losing season. in Carolina, that goes from a year where they were. The Super Bowl to having a losing record themselves. Yep. I think they will end up being better uh, anyway, depending on the health of Cam Newton. Remember, season shoulder surgery for him. I love McCaffrey. He's uh, an explosive player who you can throw the ball to, yep. kick returner, the whole thing. So that guy's going to be a thorn in the Bucks' side twice a year in the NFC South, too. And you didn't even mention that the Falcons are the defending NFC champs with all of their weapons and their past game and Devontae Freeman and uh, they improved their defense some, so that's going to be a challenging division. It uh, it has always been a crazy division, Danielle, where from one year to the, the next, you don't know who's going to win it. I mean, again, Carolina two years ago, 15-1, losing season in 2016. The Atlanta Falcons, who fell apart in 2015, had a 5-0 start, fell apart, and had a losing record in 2015. They come back and win the division and win the whole thing in the NFC to go to the Super Bowl, so... It's been unpredictable in the South. I wouldn't expect anything less. It's probably going to be another unpredictable year in 2017.
0: Oh, well, definitely we'll be keeping an eye on that from here. Uh,
4: I'm ready for the season to start. I don't know about you. I don't want to wait four months, but we've got to wait four months now for all this to unfold. The players got to go through two a days, and uh, we'll see. You know, then everybody starts the same, zero and zero. We find out who can do what uh, in the upcoming NFL season.
0: All right, TJ. Well, thank you for coming on. Just uh, tell the people, especially here up here in New York, New Jersey, where they can follow your work because you do a great job down there in Tampa with the Bucks.
4: I appreciate the kind words. You can find me a couple of different ways. Find me on Twitter at Bucks Sideline Guy B U C Bucks Sideline Guy. I'm always publicizing what I'm up to. I do a lot of work with TuneIn and uh, and do a couple of different projects for them. Do a, do kind of a weekend recap. And a weekend preview that is on Tune in. You can find that. Uh, do a little golf as well. Best way to keep up with me, though, find me there on Twitter at Bucks Sideline Guy. And the Buccaneers season will be here before we know it the Buccaneers mobile app. Uh, you can find me doing shows on there as well Dirk Cutter's radio show, player shows, as well as the Buccaneer uh, radio network calls of the game. So. Uh, again, it'll be football season before we know it. We we cannot wait for that, can we? I think we're all anxious for the for the actual games to finally get here once the summer's over.
0: Right. <laughs> and by the way, the Jets and the Giants, everybody listening, are going to be playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. So that's something. That's right.
4: <laughs> Both come to Tampa Bay, and in the Giants' case, they get to come play in the heat and the humidity. it will be a little less hot in a four o'clock game early on in the year. So. Uh, yeah, both New York teams will be playing against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa this
0: season. So, huge thanks to TJ Reeves. He has been a uh, quite a mentor to me from <laughs> Tampa all the way up to here to New Jersey. And uh, he's a, like I said, he does a great job with the Tampa Bay Bucks and great insight there. And if you're a Bucks fan, follow him. And here's uh, myself and Muhammad Wilkerson discussing his New York Jets draft story. Uh, 2011 draft. 30th pick, the New York Jets select Jersey boy Muhammad Wilkerson. Can you take me back to draft day?
5: Um, yeah, it was very uh, you know nerve wracking. <laughs> um, you know, it kind of got later in the rounds, and uh, I wound up doing like a little uh, private thing with some family and friends. I didn't get invited to the to the, uh, the Music City Hall, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, mm-hmm. I mean, once it started getting late, I was about to tell them to turn off the cameras, but I had got a call, and it was a a local number. You know, I thought it was one of my friends, and so (laughs) I picked up, and uh, it was Rex and uh, Mike Tannenbaum, and, you know, they told me they was going to pick me, so, um, you know, it was just a dream come true.
0: Were you a Jet fan
5: growing up? Giant fan. (laughs) I wasn't wasn't a Jet fan growing up, no, but I am now, of course.
0: So I think that means he was a giant fan growing up around here. (laughs) And uh, SNY? Analyst Eric Coleman, that's where he is now. Uh former jet as well. Falcon too. Here's his draft story. So take me back to draft day. Two thousand and four was it right? Yeah, fifth round. What's your draft story with the Jets? Oh my draft story.
5: I was I was at home.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: Uh, I was at my actually at my grandmother's house by myself. I didn't wanna I didn't want to be around anyone. I was too nervous. <laughs> um, the draft was on ESPN and once they went to the fifth round, yeah. it turned to ESPN too. My grandmother yeah. <laughs> didn't have ESPN two. Oh no. So I was I was kinda like I was going back and forth, walking around nervous, and I finally got a call from a, a 516 area code. And yeah. I didn't know what it was, and they were going to draft me. And, uh, you know, it was just one of the best times of my life. Of, cool. It was really a blessing. Yeah.
0: Now, the 2017 draft for the New York Jets, let's discuss a little bit. So, before we get really, really into this, I want to tell you all of the picks that the Jets had this draft. In the first round, with the sixth pick, they picked Jamal Adams, a safety out of LSU. Second round... 39th overall, Marcus May, safety, Florida. Third round, Ardarius Stewart, wide receiver, Bama. Fourth round, 142nd pick, Chad Henson, wide receiver, Cal. Fifth round, Jordan Leggett, tight end, Clemson. Another fifth rounder, Dylan Donahue, defensive lineman, in West Georgia. Sixth round. Sixth round for the New York Jets, Elijah McGuire, running back out of UL Lafayette. Sixth round, Je- Jeremy Clark, cornerback, Michigan. And also, Derek Jones, another cornerback, Michigan. Uh, Old Miss, I'm sorry. So we have two safeties, two wide receivers, two cornerbacks, a tight end, a defensive lineman, and a running back. So that's a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine picks for the New York Jets. The Jets got younger by nine players. This draft, See, I wanted Marshawn Lattimore. I came on here last week. I wrote an article. I wanted him. But we got Jamal Adams for the New York Jets. And I'm fine with that. I'm totally fine with that. The Saints got Lattimore and he's going to be great. And you watch. But I'm fine with Jamal Adams because you know what? He's just as good. It's a different position, obviously. But it's another position that the Jets need. The Jets need a lot of... Uh, Of draft picks and someone just said the Pats are not getting nervous no the Pats are never going to be nervous uh, about anybody in the AFC East Um, the Jets (laughs) the Bills guess what the Bills just did the Bills just fired their GM this morning Why? why would they wait until after they fired their head coach Rex Ryan after they've picked their entire draft then they decide to get rid of their general manager that doesn't make any sense to me wouldn't you want a new general manager in place to select a new head coach, to to select the young talent out of the draft the way he wants it to be? And the Dolphins are just the Dolphins. So, yes, you're right. The Pats are never going to feel any heat from anybody in the, in the AFC East until Brady's gone or or Belichick's gone and or both of them. And even then, you got Jimmy Garoppolo to deal with who has been highly coveted in the entire offseason from a lot of different teams. As the, the way the NFL is set up, you win your division you make the playoffs. So the Jets, Bills, and Dolphins, with the Patriots locking up the division every year, join the rest of the AFC in trying to win a wild card spot. Herein lies the problem. The Buffalo Bills have not made the playoffs in 17 seasons. That's almost 20 years. That's almost... As old as me, they have never made the playoffs. That's insane to me. And apparently this guy that's, that owns the Bil- uh, Buffalo Bills also owns the Buffalo Sabres and just did the same thing to them. Pats always get coachable players who are system guys. That's right. I like that mentality. I don't know why that's so hard to understand for a lot of these teams that you have to pick a player that fits your system. And if he doesn't fit your system, you're in trouble. so I think that Jamal Adams is a system guy for the New York Jets. I'm fine with that. I've watched some of his interviews afterwards. I really like him. He was one of the highest-touted players coming into this draft, if you didn't know, and they thought he was going to go a lot higher than six, maybe first, second, third overall. Maybe not first. Second, third, maybe fourth, because uh, Miles Garrett, the defensive end, that guy was going first no matter what, unless the Cleveland Browns screwed it up, which they did not. I think Adams is an absolute complete player both on and off the field, and I I can't believe he fell to the sixth pick. I think a lot of people can't believe he fell to the sixth pick. But the best thing was for the Jets was that the Bears traded up for Mitchell Trubisky because I think if the Bears didn't trade for Trubisky, I think he would have been wearing Jets colors, Jets green. Pittsburgh will win the Stanley Cup. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in a little bit. I, I think the Jets made a good pick with him. I keep hearing about this culture change going around in the New York Jets with these guys are good culture guys, quote-unquote. Okay, but you have good culture guys, or you had good culture guys on the Jets before this happened. I mean, you have guys like Eric Decker. You had Brandon. work with Project 3, uh, 375. I've been to their events. Eric Decker does a multitude of different things, including um, the Decker's dogs, or dogs for Decker, or whatever it is. It He takes... Um, Service dogs, like, and he gives them to returning veterans as when they come home from from battle. So, you know, there's a lot of good culture going on in that locker room now, or currently, or used to be. I don't really buy this whole culture change. I think I think it's just another narrative that we're trying to be force fed here. The Jets picked a running back and ra- running back in round six. Why didn't they trade up for Dalvin Cook at that point? He was still available. Ah. Uh, That's a head-scratcher. I'm glad, like I said, they stayed away from a quarterback because that would have been another disaster. Like I said, the Jets already have three projects. We don't need a fourth over there in Florham Park in terms of quarterback. And I've said it and I've said it and I've said it again. You can, like the Titans did and like the Cowboys did, solidify the entire offense there and then plug and play a system quarterback. You have to build up and you can plug and play. And I'm sort of disappointed that the Jets didn't go after an offensive line because, um, you know, they need one. They need one in the worst way. And I'm not sure that drafting two wide receivers was the best move here because I think now they have 13 wide receivers on their in their roster, which is like a lot. They're like stockpiling wide receivers for some reason. And then my problem with these Jets is that they never really seem to have a plan. They just kind of, in my opinion, just sort of wing it, which is not good because why are you selecting 13 or why do you have 13 wide receivers on your roster and you don't have an offensive line? You have three mediocre quarterbacks. Mm, you, take in, you you get an offensive lineman from the worst offensive line in the NFL, the Colts, who to join your team. You pick a guy from the Cowboys who's always injured to be your cornerback to replace Darrell Revis. I mean, it just seems like there, there seems to be no plan. Oh, jo- oh, Josh McCown. That's right. Josh McCown's the third quarterback. Co- so you pick Josh McCown, from the wor- the quarterback from the worst team in the NFL, and you put him on your team. So I guess the strategy is to pick the worst guys from each of the teams, um, the guys from each of the worst teams in the, in the NFL and sort of put them in a conglomeration and hope it's going to work under the pressure of the New York media? They're going to take coal and turn it to diamonds? I don't know. Um, and one more note on the culture change. I think that um, by them forcing this narrative, I think that um, Sheldon Richardson, who's been in trouble with the law, well-documented, he's got to be on his way out. If they keep forcing this culture narrative and the good culture around the locker room and the New York Jets, Sheldon Richardson has to go. There's no way he can stay in that. <laughs> and and again, the the wide receiver's Makes me wonder about the future of New York uh, Eric Decker in New York Jets green. He's thirty years old, which is he's got to be the oldest wide receiver on on the roster. I didn't look that up, but he's got to be. And I, I don't know because they got speed guys. They, they have all different kinds of wide receivers. They have slot guys. They have over the top guys, which is apparently I think this Chad Henson. That's his mo. He's over the top. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I think Eric Decker would be a huge loss for the Jets, who have already lost, let me think off the top of my head, Darrell Rivas, Brandon Marshall, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Ryan Clady, Bruno Giacomini, Nick Mangold, and whoever else. But I think it's going to be, first of all, you also need a a locker room full of, you can't have, you know the Chiefs and Indians thing? You can't have a bunch of Chiefs and not enough Indians. Well, it seems like the the Jets are having a lot of Indians, with, with not a lot of, chiefs in there right i mean eric decker veteran he might be on his way out who's left you got 10 guys in the locker room that were just drafted with with no direction i'm not sure that's a good makeup either in terms of this culture discussion i don't know i'm not sure we'll wait and see but i think it'd be a huge mistake for the jets to let eric decker go or trade him in my opinion what are you gonna trade him for you drafted a running back. You, you, you drafted two cornerbacks, two safeties, and a tight end. You have three quarterbacks. You're going to trade him for an offensive lineman? Get out of here. No way. No way. Transitioning into the Giants now, here's Otis Anderson, famous Super Bowl-winning Giant, in his draft story. So you were chosen by the Cardinals in the first round. Mm. Um, can you take me back to draft day? What was your draft story like?
5: Well, honestly, um, the way it went... The Giants was picking seventh in the first round, and the week before the draft, Ray Perkins, the head coach at the time, came to visit me at Miami, and said that they were drafted seventh in the eighth round, seventh in the first round. And they were gonna pick me, okay. no doubt about it. We're picking you.
0: Good. I you so went and bought all Giants. I did.
5: I did. <laughs> yes. I had all Giants uh, apparel a at my house. Uh-huh. I'm sitting there, back then we didn't have ESPN the way we have it now, where everybody go to, you know, they came to my house, and the seventh pick, first round, New York Giants select, Phil, Sam, oh boy, (laughs) and the Cardinal was eighth, and they had called me that Sunday and Uh said, we drafted eighth in the first round, and and we would like to have you, I said, I'm not going to be there, I'm going to the Giants, no doubt about it, so. Need to say, I ended up back to the Giants seven years later, but it, 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 was a, it was a surprise and very exciting, just like it is with all these kids today with all the limelight. Uh, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have preferred it that way. I prefer the way I had it kind of low-key more likely.
0: Otis Anderson doesn't get picked from the Giants after being promised that, uh, that he was going to be picked. And Jonathan Hankins, who sadly has left the Giants and is now playing for the Indianapolis Colts, here's his draft story draft story now you were selected second round 49th overall mm-hmm. by the Giants in 2013 what was your experience like? Oh,
5: it was great uh, it was you know the first day the name didn't call uh, which was tough but you know going into the second day I was very confident when we would get called and you know just sitting there just waiting you know just waiting for a phone call and to get the call from the Giants from Jerry Reese and them. Was a you know huge you know lift for my spirits because it was tough. But uh, I'm excited that they picked me up, and the last few years has been great.
0: Now Giants draft. Let's transition to the Giants draft. Here's here's who they have. They have one, two, three, four, five, six picks in the draft this year. At 23rd overall, surprisingly, they went with Evan Ingram, tight end out of Mississippi. 55th overall, second round, Dalvin Tomlinson, defensive tackle from Alabama, who likely is going to take over Jonathan Hankins' spot. Third round, they picked 87th, Davis Webb, quarterback out of Cal. Fourth round, they picked 141st, Wayne Gallman, run, running back out of Clemson. 168th, they picked Avery Moss, defensive end out of Youngstown State. And 202nd, Adam Bisnoati, <laughs> offensive tackle out of Pittsburgh. For the Giants, overall, this seems to be a draft for the present and for the future. Evan Ingram was surprising to me, especially with tight end David Njoku still on board. And they ended up picking Ingram over Njoku, which about that pick, if you listened last week, you heard me say that the Giants need an offensive line. And you heard me name two guys by name that they should have picked Ryan Ramchick and Forrest Lamp. Those guys and Cam Robinson were still on the board when Evan Ingram was picked. That's why it's a little surprising to me. And also, T.J. Watt was on the board on the defensive side of the ball. Brother of J.J. Watt. T.J. and (laughs) J.J. Evan Ingram, I'm not sure what the Giants totally saw in Evan Ingram. The number one need for the Giants, although tight end is a need, the number one need for the Giants right now is the offensive line. Apparently, Ingram is not a blocking guy. He's more of like a wide receiver that plays tight end. Ha- I think you have enough at that. You have Odell Beckham Jr. You have Sterling Shepard who could play the slot. So can, so can Odell Beckham Jr. play the slot as well. And Brandon Marshall. Why do you need another r- wide receiver type? You know, Eli Manning's a, a pocket passer. He needs to be protected. He's getting older as well. And I know Eli likes to wing the ball and doesn't like to take a lot of hits, but man, oh man, you address your offensive line need in the sixth round with a 202nd pick? Eli needs a tall red zone threat. Yes, that's Brandon Marshall. I've been on here before. I've said it. Eli Manning loves those tall, deep threat, post-route guys. Look at Plaxico burst in the Super Bowl. He's going to love having Brandon Marshall. In my opinion, that is the best move any team made this entire offseason was the Giants going after Brandon Marshall. I think he's a perfect fit in that locker room. I think he and, and... and I asked him this question, Brandon Marshall. I think he and Odell Beckham complement each other in the sense that Brandon Marshall went through what Odell Beckham is going through currently. And I think he can be a great mentor to him. And I think you're going to see a breakout season from Odell Beckham Jr. if you haven't seen one already. But the prob- herein lies the problem. You need to get some blocking for Eli Manning up front. Once Eli Manning gets flushed out of the pocket, we know he's not running too far. That's the strategy. You get a team with a good defensive line, Eli's done for. The Giants are done for. You saw it once they got a little pressure on Eli, the Packers in the playoffs. Just folded. The Giants just folded in that game. The Giants picked da- uh, Davis Webb from Cal, a quarterback. They did tell Eli about it beforehand. I know a lot of Giants fans that are unhappy about this pick, especially third, third round. Giants fans are saying it, the Giants are win now. We know that the Giants are a win now team, and what were they thinking picking a quarterback in the in the third round? Uh, I've also heard Giants say that this David Webb guy—he's he, Davis Webb—he's a stud. He's he's an absolute stud from California, and he would be a great understudy to Eli. I don't think Eli's nervous, as someone just said on Periscope. I don't think he's nervous. No, Eli is the quarterback, and I think Davis Webb has a great opportunity to learn from a quarterback like Eli Manning, who, in my opinion, is a great role model, in my opinion. And I think that the Giants are going to land LeGarrette Blunt. The Giants will go after him. They have money available since uh, Hankins' departure. Don't be surprised if you find LeGarrette Blunt signing with the Giants this week, running back from the, the Patriots. Once that happens, oh boy, watch out. But again, this all goes back to the offensive line. So Sean O'Hara, Super Bowl-winning offensive lineman from the Giants, blasts the pick of Davis Webb, calls it a waste. Here's the the entire quote from Sean O'Hara. Quote, I look at this draft and I can't believe that they're, again, not going to help out on the offensive line, create some more competition. To me, that third-round pick was a waste. I think that quarterback Webb, as good an arm as he is, he's not going to see the field. So now, any other position, you would not draft a guy in the third round and say, hey, maybe we'll see you in three or four years down the road. No, this is Eli Manning's prime. You just went out and got Brandon Marshall. You added DJ Fluker to the offensive line. You have a great opportunity now to make a huge statement. Protect Eli and help him out. I think they're missing out on it. End quote. I'm just happy to to see a Super Bowl winner that has the same point of view that I've had here for weeks. Opinion on Lynch signing with Oakland. High-powered offense with a now power back. Lethal. Yes. I think the Oakland Raiders are absolutely lethal. And in this draft, they went defense. They are set on offense. The Raiders are set on offense. They, uh, they picked a 24th overall. Gary and Conley, cornerback out of Ohio State. The guy is great. I love the Ohio State system. And I've said it on here. Lattimore. Eli Apple, these guys coming out of the Ohio State system, they translate directly to the NFL. I've said it on here. They start immediately, and they do well immediately. Who else did they go out and get? Cornerback. They got uh, safety from UConn. They got a defensive tackle from UCLA. Um, They picked an offensive lineman, which was sort of a need for them. Lee, linebacker out of Wake Forest. So the Oakland Raiders, and also a safety out of Washington State, they have the second-best line, in my opinion, to Dallas. Uh, offensive line? No, I think uh, offensive lines ranking them would go Titans first, then Dallas, then maybe the Raiders. Yes, I agree with you in that sense. They have a great line, yes. And Penn is uh, a big part of that line. So by the Raiders going heavy defense in the draft, it signifies to me that their offense is set and ready to go. Ready for Carr to come back. You know, listen, I think the Raiders could have taken out the Patriots in the AFC Championship game last year had Derek Carr not broken his leg. I think they were a very imminent threat to the Patriots and and the welfare of the Patriots going into that Super Bowl. And and I was really pulling for the Raiders. And I think having um, Lynch in the backfield for them, he's not going to be an every-down guy. He's a downhill runner. He's going to be the third-down back. He's going to be the third down back. Car broke down. <laughs> the car broke down. I get it. <laughs> That's kind of funny. Uh, they would have went very far. Yes, they would have if their car didn't break down. I think Marshawn Lynch is not going to be a, th- a every down guy. I think uh, he he would he would benefit in a system where they have like almost like a Brandon Jacobs, Ahmad Bradshaw type. Obviously Lynch being the Brandon Jacobs of the pair. Third down short yardage guy. That's how I see them using Marshawn Lynch. Obviously, he took a year off. Let's see what kind of physical fitness he's in. He wanted to go to the Raiders. That's it. On his wish list was the Raiders, and that's it. Second and goal, right, goal line. That's where they're going to use him. And he's going to be great, and he's going to be great for them. He wanted to go there. That means to me he's he's ready to play. Guy's ready to play. The Raiders, man, and, he, and he's a hometown guy, by the way. They had, they had billboards there saying, welcome home. Marshawn Lynch pretty soon though they're going to be going to Las Vegas Raiders by the way they announced one of the picks before I was saying how an orangutan picked a pick they went out to the welcome to Las Vegas sign to pick uh, one of the picks for the Raiders Oakland fans are up in arms about that I have no problem with it they're going to be moving there they need to start to assimilate the Raiders into everyday culture if they haven't done it already in Las Vegas I think that was a great move PR wise and I'm not mad at that either. Here's Jason McCordy's NFL Draft story. And you said you went in the second round? Is there like a, you have a draft story?
5: He went in the first round. I
0: went, you went in the second. I went in the sixth round, so I, uh, uh, I was. Second
3: day? Yes,
5: yeah, so I okay. was uh, the 203rd pick of the draft, so my draft story consists of a lot of waiting around. So, uh you know, but it was a blessing, you know, to be drafted in
2: itself,
4: I an
5: awesome experience. Well, but at the same time, I knew for myself, that I had to go out there and make the team, nothing was gonna be handed to me. So, uh, a day that I'll always remember, it was a blessing, but also a day that kind of uh, threw a chip on my shoulder uh gave me motivation to work to go out there and make the team and prove some people and
0: Now, Jason McCourty has been with the Titans, I believe it was 10 years. He's been with it, or maybe 8, 9, 10. I don't know. There's been it's, He's been there for a while with the Titans, and they decided that they were going to let him go. Uh, last I heard, he has not selected a team to join. I wish him the best. I, he's a great guy. He's one of my favorites in the NFL, and any team is going to be lucky to, to land Jason McCourty for his prowess still on the field and and for his cherry work that he does behind the scenes and just he's a great guy. Good locker room guy, I'm sure he is. I've never been in a locker room, not yet anyway, but I'm sure Jason McCordy is one of those guys you just love to have around. So, I wish him the best of luck in signing this offseason. A team is going to be lucky to, to land him. And this one's special to me, Sean Lissimore's draft story. Sean Lissimore classmate of mine over in Dumont High School. You know, we are in Giants Jets territory here and he was picked by the Cowboys. Here's his story. What is your draft story? My draft story is uh, it was a very, very long process.
2: Uh, now those of you that aren't familiar with the process, it starts pretty much right after your season ends and you're training for your pro day. You're training for uh, all-star games and uh, you don't stop training until your pro day or your combine or that last all-star game and then you still have to train after that to stay in shape uh, when when draft day comes around Mm -hmm. um for me i was i was hoping to be a uh, a late round prospect and uh that's a a pretty tough deal because you got to sit there for uh, a few days and just watch the screen and wait for a call and uh when those last couple rounds come around you're uh every
6: every text message you get from a friend or (laughs) call from a friend you know you think it might be
2: uh, a team calling and uh, you know it just so happened that uh, one call was from Dallas Um, it was uh, you know Jerry Jones he told me that they put my card in and they're going to draft me 234 in the seventh round and uh, yeah it was a pretty exciting day Uh, definitely on edge the entire day but uh, when it happened it was a relief my whole family was excited I was excited and uh, from that point on, uh, it was just kind of a whirlwind. I mean, I finished up school, and then literally the day after I graduated, I was on plane in Dallas. Wow. So, it, yeah, it was a pretty intense experience. Uh, you know, So I, I kind of feel bad for the guys who are going through it because it's so stressful. I mean, everything everything is just uh, really, really stressful. And it, it happens so fast that you almost you not know, something I kind of enjoy. it. Yeah. So, But uh,
0: it's an interesting process. You saw it. You heard him. Sean Lissamore getting picked by the Cowboys and Giants. Panthers pick of Christina McCaffrey, in my opinion, best running back, one for cuts and sidelines. I was setting to look at I think McCaffrey – McCaffrey – Listen, I'm going to take a little bit of credit here because McCaffrey rose up in the ranks at the last second. He had this surge. I talked about it here. I wrote about it. McCaffrey <laughs> Christian Christina eh, same thing no I'm just kidding with you but I think um Christian McCaffrey is he is going to do incredible things in Carolina with the Panthers uh, I know my aunt is watching Christian McCaffrey is excellent an excellent pick for the Panthers um <laughs> good stuff but I'm a skins fan well okay <laughs> but you, then I guess you're you're lucky that um McCaffrey didn't go Dan McCaffrey is a Darren Sproles on steroids, like a Reggie Bush. Those are big names that we're comparing him to. He is going to live up to it. He's a threat to catch the ball. He's a threat to run the ball. He's a threat. Um, he can line up as in in a spread offense. I mean, he has. He can kick return. He could punt return. The guy can do everything. And by going up and 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 selecting him, I think that the Panthers had a Excellent choice there. You think about it, you have, you match him up with, you got a three headed monster. You got Cam Newton, you got a McCaffrey, and you got an Olsen. Boom, boom, boom. And Ted Ginn Jr.'s got some speed to burn on the outside. So, in my opinion, Christian McCaffrey is going to fit right in. And someone just disagreed with me and said that he's going to be a journeyman who bounces from team to team. I don't see that. I don't see that, Kelvin Benjamin. McCaffrey is a great fit for that offense. He also would have fit very well with, with uh, the 49ers as well. But I think with the Giants, he would have been exceptionally explosive. Too bad. Too bad the Giants miss out. Solid foundation. And, and it helps that his dad played in the NFL. Or the Eagles. Yeah, he would have been good on the Eagles as well. Yeah, I agree. Fast-paced offense, right? I mean, he beat out guys like he was faster than Cook. He was faster than Fournette. And then there's all the other intangibles. But in terms of speed, McCaffrey was it. And, man, I wish the Giants or Jets did select him. But good for him going to the Panthers, for sure. Now, you guys are asking me a lot about the Raiders, which is ironic because this past week I had a guest spot on Cofield and Company out of Las Vegas, ESPN Las Vegas, 11, 10 a.m., 100.9 FM, I think it is, off the top of my head. I joined them to talk Jets, Giants, draft, and a little bit of Yankees bonus coverage there. Here's myself talking about the Jets and Giants in Las Vegas on ESPN Radio. Back to
2: Cofield and Company. Today's company is Adam Hill from the Las Vegas Review-Journal.
6: Cofield and Company on a Tuesday getting ready for... The NFL Draft coming up on Thursday, I guess Thursday, Friday, and Saturday in that awful town that is known as Philadelphia. I am glad I am not going to cover it this year. Very very fortunate not to go to Philadelphia. I talked to some of my coworkers that are going, gave them You're some spots to stay away from, because usually Fan they ask, you the fans, like, yes, yeah, so- this is where you stay away from in Philadelphia. It's not good. Uh, that's coming up on Thursday. We're going to get some perspective on what's going on with the New York teams. Danielle McCartney, you can find her on Twitter at... Coach McCartan, it's two A's in that. And uh, check her stuff out, prosportsrundown.com. She has 60-minute overtime on WRPR. What is going on, Danielle? How are you doing? Hey, how's it going? We are good. First of all, is it wrong to say that Derek Jeter is getting a job so that he can get away from his wife already? No, because
3: you know what? (laughs) I know a lot of women that would say the same thing about
6: their husband. So it's all good. That's good. Okay, well, I actually was uh, checking out uh, your broadcast earlier. wanted to find out. Uh, what you had to say about, especially the Jets and the Giants. I took it that you're you're a Jets fan.
3: Yeah, I grew up a Jets fan.
6: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, luckily Steve is not here because he is a Jets fan, and then we can just spiral into Jets talk from from the past. Sure. I actually am a Bills fan, which is even worse. Uh, so <laughs> let's start with the Jets then, and what they need to do in the draft coming up. I know where you think they should go because, as, as I said, I heard you. But let's let the listeners know. And first of all, I'll ask you. Are they going to take another quarterback? They keep doing this. Oh,
3: I, you know what? I hope not. I, I hope that um, the GM has come to his senses and, and realized that he cannot choose a quarterback for the life of him. So the Jets have no quarterback, but at the same time, they have three quarterbacks on their roster, which has been the story around here for years and years. And I'm I'm really hoping that the Jets do not go after any of the quarterbacks in this draft. And and they sit dead red on the guy from I think it's USC for
6: next year, right? So, so. I, I guess what what are if if quarterback is a need but maybe not a an immediate need, especially a first round need. What are the needs for this team right now? Well,
3: what what aren't the needs <laughs> right. for this team right now? That's true. <laughs> um, they, the Jeffs have had a mass exodus of of veteran talent uh, up and down the roster, defensively, offensively, uh, and I'm from the One is that. I believe that the offensive line is key to any success of any team. If you look at the – I always point to the Tennessee Titans. Um, They drafted two offensive linemen, uh, Jack Conklin, I can't think of the other guy's name, right in the first round over the past uh, two or three years. They have the best offensive line in football. So I'm not surprised that DeMarco Murray was in the running, well, finalist to become uh, player of the year. uh, Um, I'm not surprised that Marcus Mariota had a good season. So for me, I think you need to build as a football team the offensive line out. With that being said, I don't agree with the philosophy of drafting the best player on the board. I think that you need to address your needs because if the best player on the board is a quarterback and you have four of them already, well, what's 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 that going to do for you? So for the Jets, I mean, the most pressing need for the Jets for me right now is a cornerback. I mean, Darrell Rivas, we saw it last year. You're a Bills fan. You've seen it. Without Darrell Rivas playing as we're used to him playing, I mean, I'm looking at it right now. 2007 through 2015, passers had a 60.4 passer rating. Last year, it was 109.8. So the importance of a cornerback has emerged over the past year for the Jets. And with that being said, I, I like Marshawn Lattimore from the Jets out of Ohio State University. I, I do hope they
6: go after him. Yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to end this right now because we don't need this getting out. We we need Marshawn Lattimore to fall to ten. So please don't spread this information around that that's <laughs> who the Jets should take. That's the Bills' most no. pressing need as well. A lot of teams need cornerbacks. Yes. Um, I, I have seen Marshawn Lattimore going as high as three. Uh, lately, I've seen him slipping a little bit. I, I'm actually looking at a mock draft now that has him down at 11. Uh, but he probably will be available uh, at 6. Now, do you, now that's who you're recommending. That's who you would take. Uh, yeah. What are, What is your confidence level that they, that they will do the right thing?
3: I, <laughs> Listen, I was at the draft when I was in New York, and they took Geno Smith. And I booed Geno Smith not because it was Geno Smith, but because they took another quarterback in the draft. I have a very bad feeling that the Jets are going to go after Trubisky. They're in love with him. They've had many, many dates with him, I think four or five at this point, private workouts, this and that. And listen, that's fine. I'm not hating on Trubisky, but if they're going to pick him, he needs to play. He needs to play because they took Christian Hackenberg last year in the Jets, and as you know, or may or may not know, that guy never took a first-team round, a first team snap in practice. They haven't played him at all. So if they're going to take a quarterback, I'm, I'm okay with that. the kid's got to play immediately, like a Carson Wentz or like a Dak Prescott and,
6: you know, something like that. I I know all about Hackenberg because I get to mock Steve about him every single day uh, here on the (laughs) show. And Geno Smith and every other uh, failed awful quarterback that the Jets have tried to run through there. Not that the Bills have had more success, but it looks like the Bills, at least right now, uh, are in a little bit better position at the quarterback at the quarterback spot. Uh, so we shall see. I, I think there's a concern from Bills fans that they also go Mitch Trubisky if he's still available. So I think everybody right now, everybody's mission going into this draft, I feel like, in the top 15 is just please don't let my team take Mitch Trubisky.
3: Yeah, I think, as Jess and Bill fans, I think we need to talk up Mr. Mitchell Trubisky to uh, a bunch of the other fans before us, you know, the
6: Browns and everything. It's good. And also, uh, Mark here is giving me side eye because he is a North Carolina fan and I think <laughs> loves Mitch Trubisky. But- I, I'm, I'm certainly not of that opinion. Uh, so you would suggest Marshawn Lattimore uh, yeah. for the Jets. That's who I am also pushing for the Bills. If he's available, I don't think he'll be available at ten. Uh, hope for your Jets' sake, he is available at six. Uh, there is another team in the region though, the Giants. Uh, interesting case for them because they've got obviously their quarterback. They've got receivers. They've got weapons. They might need a running back. Uh, but offensive line was abysmal last year, so I would imagine they go there or somewhere on the defense.
3: Yes, you're right. The, the Giants, listen, the Giants have the 23rd pick overall in the draft. Um, their path isn't as clear as the Jets is, for me anyway. Like you said, they have the wide receiver. I think Brandon Marshall was an excellent addition to the Giants in the offseason. Eli Manning loves the tall receivers, if you look at Slaxico Bird catching the, the go-ahead touchdown in the Super Bowl that year. Eli loves those kind of guys. So the wide receivers are set. Sterling Shepard out of Ohio State, who I did pick for the Giants last year. It has been amazing nice. for them. Um, yes, you hit it on the head. They need a running back. So there's two ways they can go with this. Um, LeGarrette Blunt is still uh, a free agent, last I checked, which was probably about half an hour ago. <laughs> and they can afford him because Jonathan Hinkins just left to go to Indianapolis. So LeGarrette Blunt is an option for the Giants. I think they will go after him. With that being said, if they don't get him, my top pick for the Giants is going to be Christian McCaffrey. the running back out of Stanford. I mean, the guy had uh, a 40-yard dash time of 4.48 seconds, which was fifth-best among all running backs. He beat, you know, we've heard a lot about Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook. He beat them. He was faster than them in the, in the draft. So, uh, to me, he seems like a Julian Edelman type. He he beat Barry Sanders in, in uh, NCAA football uh, for a record of Purpose yards in a single season. For me, that's why he reminds me of Julian Edelman. And we know as NF- uh, AFC East fans that Julian Edelman can cut you up like no other. So, And, and another thing, I don't know if you guys know, his dad, Ed McCaffrey, was uh, selected by the Giants in the third round, 1991. So there's a little hometown discount, maybe, a little loyalty with the Giants.
6: All right, we, we don't allow white-to-white comparisons on this show. <laughs> what do you mean? We don't allow you can't compare a white player to another white player. Everybody does it. In the NBA, it's like, oh, this guy is the next, oh, he's the Gordon Hayward. Like, no, it's not you can't go white to white. It's not allowed. Not? No. No, it's just too it's too easy. I don't like it. Oh, my God. So, so work on that. Come up with a different a different comparison uh, that we can use for him. Well, as far as they go McCaffrey is rising up the boards though. Do you do yeah. you think the Giants love him enough that they could potentially try to trade up to get him if they had to?
3: No, I don't think so. I think the Giants, in my opinion, are going to stay put, because like you said in the introduction here, the Giants had the worst, according to Pro Football Focus, I believe they had the worst pair of tackles in the league this season. So, you know, Eli Manning, when he gets knocked around a little bit, he's not as effective. Eli is a pocket passer, and he needs to be protected, especially on the blind side. So they had Justin Pugh on the line. He was, he received the top offensive grade from pro football focus, but half the guys in the league are better than him. So I think I mean, Kathy's good, but I don't think they're going to trade up. Uh, I've been very high on this kid, Forrest Lamp, uh, offensive guard from Western Kentucky. I mean, the guy's a monster. He's huge. And I was watching him on the combine on TV, and he's got quick feet. He, he can play, And the best part for me about Forrest Lamp is that he can play center, tackle, and guard. So as a coach, I mean, I'm a coach, what more could you ask for? A guy that can play any position on the line, any he could plug any hole. So for me, the Giants, I, I think, would go after Forrest Lamp. And if he's not available, I told you this wasn't very clear, if he's not available, I think the Giants are gonna, or should go after Ryan Ramchick, offensive tackle from Wisconsin. Um, he's even bigger than Forrest Lamp. And, It's just the concern for me for for Ryan Ramchick is going to be his durability. I mean, he had thick surgery. He didn't play in the bowl game, to the best of my knowledge. But other than that, I I think uh, the Giants need to go offensive line for sure, either Ramchick or or Lamp are my two choices for them.
6: Well, there you go. That's the perspective from the the region. You're from New Jersey, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the perspective from just outside New York about Giants uh, and Jets getting ready uh, for their draft. Danielle McCartan, you can follow her at Coach McCartan. That's M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N to make sure you yep. uh, you get that one right. Uh, before we let you out of here, though, the Yankees are playing pretty well. I, I like to mock Steve on yep. them. Are the Yankees for real? I don't think so. Um, you never know. Uh, I do think so. I
3: think that these, these guys have been marinating – uh, in the minors in, in the AAA for, for a long time, you know, a couple of years. I think, um, Aaron Judge has been the, the biggest story out of the New York Yankees this season so far. I, I think last year he got up, he, he cracked a couple of home runs last year, but, you know, I, I coached softball, which I played baseball. Uh, to me, Aaron Judge last year was just going up there and just swinging, swinging ahead, you know, swinging dead red. Didn't dead red when he got that pitch, it was going over the wall. But this year, you see a different Aaron Judge. You see, he's taking an approach to the plate. He's picking out pitches, and, and for that reason, this guy, he's dangerous. I mean, and he's huge. <laughs> he said he's defensively pretty solid in the outfield. So between him and Aaron Sanchez, who's injured, but he'll be coming back, Greg Bird at first base, you know, these guys, you know, don't sleep on the Yankees this year. I'm telling you. Yeah,
6: we'll, we'll see. We'll see how, how it goes for the Yankees to hear from Cofield all year about those awful Yankees. We'll we'll, uh, we'll moderate though, and make sure you follow uh, Danielle on Twitter at Coach McCartin, as we said, with two A's in there, and uh, check out what uh, ProSportsRundown.com. And uh, you host 60-minute overtime on WRPR. Thanks for the time, and uh, make sure everybody follows her along and checks it out. Thank you.
3: Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate
6: it. All right. Good stuff from Danielle. We'll get back into things on the other side. Uh, NBA... Playoffs, NFL draft, all sorts of other things going on that we'll get to in the world of sports. Adam Hill, Case Kiefer on a Tuesday.
2: Interact with the show by texting ESPN to 69187. It's Colefield and Company. ESPN Radio, 1100 and 100 WWN, Las Vegas. 265 5EZ. Sports and traffic every 30 minutes.
0: So that was pretty cool, right? I'm being the, the Jets and Giants expert and Yankees expert from here on, on the East Coast. And before I hit, someone uh, asked me to talk about the Dallas Cowboys draft. Before I hit on that, let's hear from Mike Teal, drafted by the Seahawks. Let's hear his draft story. You were drafted by the Seahawks in the sixth round of the 2009 draft. Could you just take me through the NFL draft experience? When Did the phone ring? Who were you with? Did you guys have a party?
1: Well, I got a great story. So, um... <laughs> Speaking with my agents and going through the workouts, we knew taking on the,
3: on the first day. Back then, it was only two days or right. three days, so I knew the first day was out of question. Um,
4: the second day, that Sunday, I scheduled to
1: play golf with my cousins, uh, two of my cousins and one of my friends. So we were out on the golf course playing golf and uh, trying to keep really my mind off of watching <laughs> watching <laughs> it, and watching the phone.
0: because
1: yeah. you never know what's gonna happen. Yeah. So, uh, we played all the way down the golf we had actually uh just finished up we were walking off the course and I got a, a phone call from uh from a Seattle number from a, a 206 area code number which is the area code out there
3: uh-huh.
1: and I went to I went to answer it and I hung up on it by uh-huh. to get The the uh the, the whatever
0: you know decline the button, button yeah
1: yeah and uh and I knew that that was Seattle and I knew that this at of the time they, they told me early on if they didn't take the quarterback in the first second round they going to take one late so I was like man like I, this might be it I think I just screwed it up so they ended up calling my parents' house um, I tried to call one of the coaches back and I couldn't get them and like I said I tried to reach back out to me but my phone went right to voicemail because I was trying to get a hold of that oh my god so so ultimately it came across the screen and my parents knew before I <laughs> and I started getting text messages my phone started going crazy. Three minutes later, I got a a call from from, uh, Coach Mora and uh, Tim Ruskell who was the GM, and then ultimately the quarterback coach and the offensive coordinator. And, you know, they told me that they were taking me, you know, with their draft pick. So I ended up hanging up
0: on the team that drafted me. So that's my story. That's a cool story. All right, so let's talk Cowboys. I have a Cowboys fan here on Periscope. I think the Cowboys also had a great draft. There are some teams that didn't have a good draft, but I think the Cowboys – nailed it I think the Cowboys nailed it I think they are going to be a team that's going to be reckoned with in the NFC this year I'll tell you why offensively let's talk offensively first the Cowboys have the second in my opinion second a lot of people think it's number one but I think it's number two best offensive line in the entire NFL I think the Cowboys won big last year at last year's draft Dak Prescott Everything happens for a reason. Dak Prescott was was the third-string quarterback, ended up being first, and that's the story. That's the same old Tom Brady-Drew Bledsoe story. When Bledsoe got hurt, Brady went in, and that was the end of it. That's the same thing that happened there. Romo got hurt, and the guy behind him got hurt, and Dak went in, and that was the end of it. He is, yes, a fourth-round prodigy. Yes, I agree. Ezekiel Elliott, I mean, people... He he has been the standard. He has been the the one that these guys on these draft shows are are comparing all these guys to. Is he Ezekiel Elliott? Is he not? What elements of Ezekiel Elliott does this guy Fournette have, for example? So, they won big last year in the draft. They won the lottery. Now, Jason Witten just signs a four year deal with them. He's a huge portion to this offense. Jason Witten. The offensive line is good. The offense is good. Maybe they could have done, in my opinion, was to select a, uh, a partner for Des Bryant over there on the wideout. And I believe that they did. They had a, they chose at 134, they had Ryan Switzer, wide receiver out of North Carolina. Um, I like that pick. I think uh, we need to find a replacement for Witten in the next year or so, it says the Cowboys fan on Periscope. Yes, I agree. But I also think the Cowboys are in win-now mode. We can't be thinking about next year. Witten signed a four-year deal. He said he's going to take it year by year, and who knows? Maybe you get two years out of him. Maybe you, you double him up. You have a two tight end packages, and you use, use him as the second tight end. So I'm not worried about Witten for the Cowboys. I think their offense is just set, and I think you go after a tight end maybe next year, and maybe the year after that even. I mean, you know. Um, so the offense is set. I'm glad they picked, as you said, uh, uh, too, that they picked seven out of their nine picks were on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I they're young, they're fast. I love defense uh, on the other side of the ball. Uh, oh, and the other and by the way, the partner for Des Bryant, Ryan Switzer out of North Carolina, was catching passes from Mitchell Trubinski. He's gonna be all right. He's gonna be okay now, out there. Um, who else? Let's see. They got Xavier Woods, safety from Louisiana Tech, Marquez White, cornerback, Florida State, Joey Ivey, defensive tackle. Um, they picked out Noah Brown also Zeke influenced that. Noah Brown, there it is, wide receiver, Ohio State. Like I said, Ohio State system is the system to be in. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if this Noah Brown guy excels right off the bat. That's a great compliment to Des Bryant. Jordan Carell, defensive tackle, Colorado. And Taco Charlton was their first-round pick at 28, defensive end from Michigan. And that guy, man, he has been all over the place already. <laughs> taco Charlton, I, I think, has landed a taco deal um, endorsement deal that he's already taken pictures with the plates of tacos in front of his locker in, down there in, in in jerryland in dallas he he ran a 4.92 second 40 yard dash which is incredible speed for a defensive lineman 25 reps which is about average in terms of bench prints for them 33 inch vertical jump i mean the guy is agile speedy and strong. I think he's a great combination of, of all of them. And you need help on the defensive line since Demarcus Ware has now re- decided to retire, um, and and has been out of the system there. So I, you go defensive line, you go defense, you get some pressure on the quarterback, and you, and then what you do? I mean, the Cowboys just that's just good enough to get the ball back to the offense, and they're going to win games. <laughs> you don't need any standout stars on the defense, in my opinion. And letting Morris Claiborne go for you guys, is is a great move because the guy is oft injured. For the Jets, it's, I think it's bad news unless he can resurrect his career. But he was sort of a no factor anyway. So in terms of the Cowboys, you withstand – yeah, he was a bust. Yeah, he was. And I, I wrote an article on my website, Pro sport about that and now how he's coming to the Jets and – please. But, um, like I said, the Cowboys defense just needs to be good enough – to keep some points off the board, make a couple stops a game, you got the most high-powered offense in the NFL on the other side of the ball. So the Cowboys are sitting pretty. They had a good draft. Cowboys had an excellent draft, in my opinion. Ben, do not break mentality. That's it. Ben, do not break That's right. How did I do? I'm not a Cowboys fan. I'm not even in the market. But how did I do? Better than anyone I've seen. Yes. Thank you. No, thank you. Make sure you follow me. <laughs> 60
3: minutes overtime. Hurry up offense with Danielle McCartan.
0: This is time for Hurry Up Offense presented by Seat Swap. The MLB and MLB news. The New York Yankees beat the Baltimore Orioles 12 to 4 at home. Brett Gardner, that was yesterday. Brett Gardner played at four RBIs but was outdone by Austin Romine who hit five. Aaron Judge hit his 10th home run of the season. He is unbelievably on pace to hit 60 for the season. The Yankees play today at 1.05 p.m. at Yankee Stadium. The New York Mets beat the Washington Nationals 5-3 in our nation's capital. Yoannas who? Michael Conforto batted in three runners in his absence. Zach Wheeler finished with four strikeouts and surrendered five hits. The Mets play today at 1.35 p.m. at the Nationals. In NHL news, the New Jersey Devils won the first pick in the NFL draft lottery set to take place in Chicago on June 23rd and 24th. The Las Vegas Gold- Pick, the lowest pick they could have possibly landed on the lowest draft pick ever for any expansion team ever in NHL history. The New York Rangers lost 6 to 5 in a double overtime heartbreaker to the Ottawa Senators at the Canadian Tire Centre in Ottawa yesterday. Henrik Lundqvist had 28 saves and Brady Shea netted two goals for the Blue Shirts. Ottawa leads the series 2-zip Next game is Tuesday at 7 p.m. at the Garden. This is a must-win for the Rangers. In terms of NBA playoffs, game one of the Wizards versus Celtics is today. Tip-off is at 1 o'clock p.m. in Boston. Game seven of Jazz and Clippers, today at 3.30 p.m. out of L.A. And tomorrow, check out game one of the Raptors and Cavaliers at 7 p.m. from Cleveland. And tomorrow as well, game one of the Rockets versus the Spurs at 9.30 p.m. on the West Coast late game san antonio i'm danielle McCartan, and that was your 60 minute overtime hurry up offense let's hear from anthony fasano who's now uh, has joined the dolphins from the chiefs in this offseason talk about his nfl draft story you're entering your 11th nfl season um out of notre dame what is your draft story first
6: um i was here in town with a bunch of people a lot of the same people that are here today yeah uh waiting for the phone call um, and got drafted in uh, in the second round to, to the Dallas Cowboys. and mm-hmm. was just thrilled. And I grew up a Giant fan, so I had to change my alliances pretty quickly. <laughs> but uh, it was easy. It was a great organization.
0: The Yankees are on fire. They have outscored. I know I had an Orioles fan on Periscope before wanting me to talk about this, but the Yankees have outscored the Orioles in two games, 26-16 to 16 this series. Two games. They're av- that means they're averaging 13 runs a game. That's, inc- that's like unheard of. Don't g need a tight end? Send Judge there. Get him out of baseball. <laughs> Aaron Judge, as a tight end, would wreak havoc on any defense. I agree. The guy, First of all, the guy has, like I talked about before, the guy has strength. He has speed. He steals bases. Aaron Judge st- st- uh, stole third base. He stole third base yesterday. Someone said, just followed you on Twitter now. You're saving ESPN. Well, i got to work for them first to save them. Huh? Uh, but the Yankees the Yankees have been on absolute tear these past couple games. As long as the Yankees' starting pitching can't hold up, they're going to be all right. Um, I talked with ESPN Las Vegas about that, and they asked me about it. and And I didn't get to say it, but the starting pitching of the Yankees is going to be the key to them down the stretch this season. And we've seen it, and we've seen it, and we've seen it, and we've seen it. It's always been the starting pitching for the Yankees. But now that they got a little run support coming in, there's not so much pressure put on the starting pitching. You know what I'm saying? Because if the Yankees can get to, I've said it before, if the Yankees can get, get to, you know, the, the the last third of the game, I'm talking innings 7, 8, and 9, their bullpens on lockdown. No runs are coming in. Almost we're almost back to the Mariano Rivera days. And Aaron Judge has been on an absolute tear. He's the talk of the entire Major League Baseball League. This new stat that everybody's doing or checking is exit velocity. Well, let me tell you. Aaron Judge's exit velocity is, I believe, the highest in the NFL in terms of the home runs that he hits. He The other night, last week, he beat A-Rod. I mean, it's only been tracked since 2009, and Alex Rodriguez had the highest at, at, at Yankee bat speed um, uh, exit velocity. Aaron Judge beat that last week. And I believe he has that home run. One of the latest home runs came off his bat at 118 miles an hour. I think that is the fastest in the MLB. And the Yankees have uh, the hottest start at home. I believe they're 10-1 since 1999. And everybody knows what happened in 1999. And if you don't, the Yankees won the World Series in 1999. So... Adam Hill, if you're listening, don't sleep on the Yankees this year. Don't sleep on the Yankees. We've seen the Mets. Mets have been a little bit of a bust this year, especially in terms of their uh, uh, starting pitching hasn't been what they're expecting it to be. However, every time Terry Collins comes out and fires up the Mets, fires up the Mets in front of the media, the Mets come out. And they've, I, I I believe, won both games since he's done that for them. So the Mets were coming out of this season as the favorite in New York. I think, it's gonna, I think it's the Yankees right now. The Yankees are the hottest team in New York, and maybe even in baseball. And I know plenty of people that are going out and running out and buying number 99 Aaron Judge t-shirts and jerseys. Let me tell you that much. Guy's a beast. As long as he can stay healthy, I mean, it's incredible. Aaron Judge, to me, what are the specifications on, on Aaron Judge? Because this guy, he... Looks like you ever play uh like baseball video games? Like the show, for example, is probably the, the most famous uh baseball video game. He's listed at um six seven. He's twenty five years old. He's six foot seven, and I, I think I heard him saying the other night that he's about two eighty. 280. eighty. That is exactly the specifications that I know every one of you guys. Made uh, or make on your your creative players, especially in the show, because I know I did. You always want the guy that's 6'7", 280. You max out all of his strength, you max out all of his speed. That's Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is the prototypical creative player on any <laughs> any game that you could possibly make a creative player. He's big and he's fast. He's built like a tight end. He's bigger than most tight ends in the NFL. Someone said he's a beast. He's going to be checked, though. You know it. Checked in terms of steroids. Here it comes. Here it comes. I think he's clean. He's too big. I mean, if you were that big, you'd be cranking home runs at are 500 feet, too.
6: I'm Andrew Clonquist, gold goaltender for the New York Rangers, and you're
1: listening to Danielle McCartan on 60-Minute Overtime.
0: So just a quick recap here on the Rangers. The Rangers lost a heartbreaking overtime Game and two overtimes yesterday to the Ottawa Senators. It's just been really tough for the Rangers to get anything really going here. Defensively, I think the Rangers need to approve in in the the draft coming up in June. They need to they need defense. I mean Henrik Lundqvist, he can be as good as he's gonna be, but without any help, you know, it's like how do I explain this? Like he's he's Henrik Lundqvist is the last stop but the puck has to get through a line of defense first. And if the defense is is not good, it can't allow Henrik Lundqvist to be good either. I remember in the first game versus the Ottawa Senators, Lundqvist made 40 or 41 saves. How do you, as a defense, allow 41 pucks to be shot on goal in a playoff game, in the second round of the playoffs? That's unheard of. And and yesterday, I think he... They they played a little better. Yesterday, I think he, Henrik Lundqvist... I had uh, like 25 saves on on whatever it was, 31, 31 shots on goal. But what's – what's and, and they're heartbreaking games because they're in it. They are the better team. They just can't put the other team away. I'm glad to finally see Chris Kreider getting involved. He was a big part of the, the Rangers' offense throughout the entire season, and he hadn't scored a, a playoff goal until yesterday. So Chris Kreider has been a missing piece. He's been, I mean, they've been playing almost, you know, without him. Although he's been on the ice, they've been playing without him, without his strengths. So I'm very happy Chris Kreider's getting back into this. I mean, the Rangers are facing a must-win, a must-win game. Or else then they're going to go down 3-0. And I think right now at 2-zip, I believe that the the odds of them winning the series are somewhere around um, like 20% right now being down 2-zip. So Kreider, hopefully yesterday's game could be more of of an impact uh, in the long term, other than just a a, a flash on the screen, a blip on the radar, because he hasn't really been stepping it up this entire playoffs. He's kind of disappeared. He's kind of melted into the ice. (laughs) Melted away into the ice. But Rick Nash has done a, a great job of stepping up in his place. Uh yesterday goals uh I don't have it in front of me, but he I know Kreider scored one. Derek Stepan scored one, um Brady Shea scored a goal. You know, you get a goal and you get a goal and you get a goal. But Kreider, I'd like to see him score two goals next next uh next game. Because he, if he can't get activated, the the Rangers are, are kind of walking on, on their last limbs here, with a crutch here. And Kreider, I think, could could take them off of that crutch. And 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 like I said, Henrik Lundqvist. People are saying he's not elite because if he was elite, he wouldn't be allowing goals to to lose. Well, you know what? If if you are the only man playing defense on your team, the the probability of shots falling is they're gonna fall. Someone said the Pens have been hot. Unfortunately, hate Crosby. I think <laughs> Crosby is one of those guys that. Um, that you don't like unless he's on your team, right? I mean, that's like A Rod, and people on the Yankees didn't even like A Rod. I always did. Everybody hates Crosby unless unless you're a, a Pens fan, a Penguins fan, right? He he's just one of those polarizing players. Let's go, Buster Screen. Buster, you were drafted in the fifth round by the Cleveland Browns. What's your draft story?
5: <laughs> Got drafted in the fifth round. I was at home sitting on the couch three days, so you know, from small school, I'm like, Look, I don't get i just on the team and uh, thank the boss for that
0: so that was a quick story there by the Browns. I think the Browns are going to win more games than the Jets this season. I'll go on. you can write that down, screenshot it whatever you have to. The Browns will win more games in the 2016 season, which is not bad because if the Jets are one of the worst teams in the league, there's that quarterback that they can go get. And every week I do this, uh, what the F, I look, uh, I scour through and find some stories that are just really unbelievable in the world of sports. And this one is uh, particularly unbelievable.
3: Okay, what the f- <laughs> So this
0: week's What the F story comes to you from the world of golf. The PGA Tour tweeted a video of golfer Ricky Fowler golfing with an alligator. Yes, an alligator. He wasn't literally golfing with the alligator. But you know how in golf courses they have those ponds? The alligator was like 20 feet away from him as he was golfing. It happened on the fourth hole of the PGA Zurich Classic from New Orleans, Louisiana, which is ha- taking place right now. I believe they, they started earlier in term for, for um, trying to beat the rain down there in Louisiana. The PGA Zurich Classic from New Orleans, Louisiana. Here's the story. His partner, Jason Day, his ball landed very close to the water hazard, on the edge was a lurking alligator. I would say, I would put it maybe, it's hard to tell, but I would say maybe about four feet long was the alligator. And this Jason Day was not getting that ball until that monster left the green. Obviously, Ricky Fowler was a little bit impatient. He took a rake and he pushed the alligator back into the water with the rake. And here is the call. Live, well, not live, but this is the call on the what network is this? Golf News Sky, Oh, Sky Sports. This is a video from Sky Sports doing the play-by-play, getting the alligator off the golf course, and this is as boring as you would expect it to be.
1: So now Ricky and Thomas Peters are having the discussion. Oh, come on. Ricky, don't do it. No, no. Oh. <laughs>
3: You want your, you want no, safer with yeah. your rake that's than with your foot <laughs> well that's
4: <laughs> I think we've we're getting a little too bold with the animals out of here. you well, uh, you know Ricky's uh he's one of those red bull athletes he's he's all right with extreme sports apparently and you know he has a new girlfriend he's trying to show off for <laughs> I
5: mean a lot of things set up for that.
0: That was, like I said, as exactly as boring as you think it would be. There's an alligator on a golf course, and the guy takes a rake and pushes the alligator back into the water, and it's like it happens all the time. So I did a quick Google search of alligator facts because this was astounding to me. First off, alligators bite down with the most powerful bite ever recorded for a living animal. Two. They have a special capability to eat much more than their body weight. How much? Say you're a 180-pound person. You eat 41 pounds of steak in one sitting. That's how much they eat. Number three, which absolutely blew my mind, that alligators can climb trees and fences. Yes, fences. Four. Four. They can run on ground 16 to 25 miles per hour. That's faster than cars and bikes. And listen, I've seen some alligators in real life in New Orleans, ironically enough. I had gone on an airboat adventures tour in the swamps. I didn't know any of these facts because if I knew any of these facts, I probably wouldn't have gone. Um, I do know that they eat marshmallows, they throw them marshmallows off the boat so they can bring them closer. They were so close. I have pictures of alligators right next to my feet. I'll tweet one. Out. We. I even held what the guy called a pocket gator. Po- pocket gator. A pocket gator. He pulled an alligator out of his freaking pocket. The whole entire time, at the end of the tour, the guy says, Oh, do you want to pet my pocket gator? And he pulled one out of his breast pocket of his shirt. What? And someone keeps telling me that they taste good. Well, guess what? I even ate alligators. Dead ones, of course. Fried in New Orleans, you know, when in Rome, never again. I did it once and that was it. And I asked the waiter, where does this m- meat come from? He said it comes from the underside of the tail. I don't know if he was, you know, BSing me or not, but, you know, it it was sort of like um, calamari in a way. Uh, it was like a little squishy. It was like, <laughs> it was like a little tough. <sighs> I'm like remembering it right now. And then once it came out, yeah, it was really chewy. And once it came out, we ate, you know, one piece each. And then it was kind of just sitting there, we were, you know, on the table. There were a few more pieces left. And we're kind of looking at each other like, all right, who wants to take a second one? Man, the second one was absolutely disgusting. It was hard. It wasn't, once it wasn't hot anymore, it became hard and disgusting rubbery. And it was, nah, I won't do that again. But I could say that I did do it golfers golfing with alligators that's my what the f story of the week and finally let's hear rob carpenter's draft story former jet you were drafted in 1991 by the Bengals. what was your draft experience like
2: the way it is now is totally different you know you have the the first round just in one day went as long as uh, time permitted i guess for that day for Mm -hmm. the league and for the venue so there was more than one round going on the first day of draft. so that, but for me, it really wasn't like I had a party or anything like no. that. I actually <laughs> still was at school. I didn't go home and sit with all of my family, anything like that Did I know my family and everybody was watching that day. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. For me, the first round didn't happen, but it was the, the coolest thing was the fact that I was still sitting sitting up with my girlfriend at that point in time. When the phone rang, Sam Weiss was on the phone saying, mm-hmm. welcome to Cincinnati. So I'd say that was probably the coolest part about it, yeah. that I did get drafted on the first day. And when the phone rang, it was actually Sam Weiss that picked up, that was actually calling. Me. Yeah, that's cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just a quick local uh, news here that uh, Jabril Peppers, you might know him from North Jersey football. Jabril Peppers failed the drug test. Well, he didn't fail it. Here's, here's what happened. Jabril Peppers at the NFL Combine tested positive for a diluted uh, urine sample. And Peppers' agency claims that Peppers was feeling under the weather prior to the Combine and therefore drank extra water than normal prior to his workouts on the plane. Yeah, gallons, gallons of water. Um, The quote is, Peppers was being pumped with fluids drinking 8 to 10 bottles of water before he went to bed because he was the first guy to work out two days for the linebackers and the, the defensive backs. He had to go through that first day, come back on the second day, and that was the fear. He has never failed a drug test in his life, nor tested positive for any other substance. End quote. Um, the newest teammate of Peppers... B.S. He's diluting, says common sense. Newest teammate of Peppers, the Browns left tackle Joe Thomas, took to Twitter to express his feelings on the diluted sample system. First of all, the word is diluted, and every one of his tweets he's used is the word dilute, so... Uh, when you do it in writing, it's S-I-C, sick. He wrote, uh, this is Joe Thomas, wrote, Tester should be able to see it's dilute right when he receives the sample and then can request more samples until it's not dilute. Hashtag flawed system. No player should ever have a failed test for a dilute sample, especially at the combine where players frequently chug water to gain weight. <laughs> so, yeah. First of all, this guy needs some spell check. But it's good that he's stepping up for Jabril Peppers and, you know, the Browns need a little pick-me-up out there. gate hashtag gate. I don't know. I don't know if the Browns are going to make that into a big thing or if anybody else is going to make it into a big thing. But surely enough, if, if Bishop Bill Peppers does light up the scene over there in uh, in Cleveland, you'd be sure that they're going to be uh, calling for drug tests on that guy randomly at every point in time. But Bishop Bill Peppers, he's, he's a hometown guy out, out here in New Jersey where I am right now. So I'm rooting for him. And by the way, the colors of my high school were brown and orange. So are the Browns. So I always have a little soft spot for the Browns for that because I feel like I'm rooting on my my old team. Also, Devin Smith for the New York Jets is out for the season. He's a wide receiver. uh, Tore his ACL once again. Unfortunately, a 25-year-old wide receiver retore it on the same exact knee as last year. And the Jets believe it happened before uh, before the, the offseason workouts, and, you know, he went on an MRI, and that's it. So Smith has 10 career an, uh, receptions in two seasons, all with the Jets. The Jets took Ardarius Stewart and K- Chad Hansen in the fourth. They have 13 on their roster, and we'll see what happens here. But Devin Smith, that's a huge blow. He was highly touted, a uh, young guy, highly touted, and, and he's going to have to wait at least one more season. In order to uh, to make r- tried to make a significant impact for the New York Jets, and and uh, in, in out of sports really news, some guy also was asking me about the ESPN. Well, and uh, here's the quick story about ESPN. And uh, out of nearly a thousand employees, ESPN broke the terrible news to about a hundred of them that they will no longer be with the network. It was solely ESPN's decision and reportedly had nothing to do with uh, Disney. The parent company of ESPN. The names of the firings are about a 50-50 split between the on-air talent that is well-known and others who are not well-known, writers, etc. A few notable names that were let go. NFL reporter Ed Werner, NFL analyst Trent Dilfer, former quarterback for the Bucks, reporter Jane McManus, Sports Center anchor Jay Crawford, Baseball Tonight host Car- Car- Carl Ravek, and uh, Hannah Storm who reportedly have significantly reduced roles. That's going to do it for this week uh, with a intense NFL draft uh, special we had here. We talked, what did we talk about? The Jets, Giants, Cowboys even, Bucks. the winners of the draft. <laughs> uh, draft stories sprinkled throughout from your favorite teams, about 10 of them. Talked a little bit about the Yankees, a little bit about the Rangers, tiny bit about the Mets. Did a little bit of hurry-up offense. Sports update and the uh, WTF story of the week is golfing with alligators. Alligator meat and spell check are your takeaways from today. I'm Danielle McCartan. You can find my work, prosportsrundown.com, Twitter at Coach McCartan, YouTube, I have 100 interviews with all players from all different teams. Just go into YouTube and type Coach, space, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, SoundCloud.com slash Coach McCartan. And if you missed it, which some people are tweeting me that they already did miss it, especially the Bucks part they wanted to hear, that's an iTunes podcast. It'll go up before you go to sleep tonight. Coach McCartan, you type there in the iTunes Apple Store. Video as well. If you have a nice Sonos system, 60-minute overtime, play.google.com slash Coach McCartan. And we're, we're vi- video simulcast on Periscope. You guys were excellent today. Awesome audience today on Periscope once we got rid of some of the knuckleheads. And Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Signing off there. Signing off there. Thanks for checking me out, guys. And I'll see you guys next Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern. Follow me on Twitter at Coach McCartan. That's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. To find my work on YouTube and SoundCloud, search, with no spaces, Coach McCartan. Subscribe yourself so you don't have trouble finding it in the future. That's it for today, everybody. Listen live next Sunday, 1.30 to 2.30 p.m.